0: Back in the days of the horse and buggy, story told about a farmer who came from his house to the town to buy some supplies. On this particular day, his dog decided to follow him all the way to town. The farmer, when he arrived into the storehouse and basically tied his horse into the post there, the Storekeeper noticed that the dog was panting so hard. And so he chided the farmer for letting the dog run while he was riding on the horse and buggy. And the farmer responded, he said, this dog is not tired from following me to town. This dog is tired from his foolish zigzagging along the way. There wasn't an open gate or a hole in a fence, or a tree stump that this dog did not explore. (laughs) He is worn out from zigzagging. My beloved friends, I am absolutely convinced as I'm standing before you today that the reason our society is in the fix that it is in is because of our foolish zigzagging away from God. There's only one reason— Why the drugs and the murders and the addictions and the pornography and the sexual perversions, the breakdown of the family, other than the zigzagging of sin away from God? Our problem is not because we do not have enough government programs. Our problem is not because we don't have enough government spending on social programs. Our problem started back yonder when we began to zigzag away from God. In fact, It was just about the time when President Lyndon Johnson announced that the final conquest of poverty is within our grasp. About that same time, a group of offbeat theologians declared and announced that God is dead. By accident? I think not. The government now has replaced God and His church. And that is why the epistle to the Romans is so relevant to our culture today— it is so poignant to our culture today. It speaks to our culture today as well as allow the church to speak with a prophetic voice today. However, the time of the Apostle Paul, when he was writing this epistle to the Romans, when he was telling him about the wrath of God and the judgment of God that is coming upon the evil of society, when he wrote at that time, he did not have the benefit of 2,000 years of Christianity. He did not have the benefit of hundreds of years of Christian heritage. He did not have the benefit of 500 years of Reformation, or the godly founders of this great experiment we call America. Beloved, here is an indisputable fact of modern history. After 2,000 years of Christianity, after 500 years of the Reformation, after 250-plus years of this American experiment, we are returning back to the pre-Christian, Greco-Roman, immoral perversion. Question, could the judgment of God that came upon Rome after 150 years of Christianity, when it was declared a Christian empire by Constantine, and that judgment that came down by the Visigoths, by the barbarians that came and wiped Rome, could that judgment be far behind today? I know a lot of great doctors in this church, and I have known many great doctors in my life. I have never, never seen a doctor who would say, because I want my patient to like me, I'm not going to tell them the truth about their prognosis. Or because I don't want my patient to leave me and go to another doctor, I will tell them what they want to hear. Or because I don't want to alarm my patient, (laughs) I don't want to make them worry." So I'm going to tell them that all is well. I've not met such a doctor, and I never will. Why? Because truth is truth is truth. Here in this epistle of Romans, you find the Apostle Paul being a great diagnostician. He's diagnosing the problem. The problem of culture, the problem of society, and the problem even with believers. Before he could tell them about the spiritual healing that only can be found in Jesus Christ, he has to show them their most depraved condition in which they are in. Before anyone can be saved from their sins eternally, they have to recognize that they're sinners. Until I recognize that I am not just a a sinner, but sinful, I could not come to Christ and ask forgiveness of my sins. And here in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32… Paul gives us three reasons as to why the wrath of God, or the judgment of God, must, not may, but must take place sooner or later. Reason number one, verses 18 to 23. You can write it down if you're taking notes. Reason number one for God's judgment is going to be upon those who invert the truth. The second reason, verses 24 27, God's judgment will be upon those who perverted God's gift of sexuality. And thirdly, verses 28 to 32, God's judgment will be upon those of depraved minds. Inversion of God's truth, perversion of God's gift, deprivation of the mind. Follow with me, please. Those three causes of judgment as to the reason... judgment. In fact, those three things basically codify every conceivable sin you can think of is going to come under one of those three categories. Let's look at the first one, the inversion of the truth. But before I get there, just bear with me just for a minute, because there are several things I need to tell you about the wrath of God. It is very important, because today… More than 60% of those who claim to be Christians deny or reject the wrath of God altogether. Keith Getty has a song called In Christ Alone. We sing it in this church. One of the stanzas goes like this, And the wrath of God was satisfied, talking about the cross you will be amazed of how many singers and how many musicians and how many pastors literally either take that stanza out or modify it. They say, there is no wrath with God, only love. What they don't understand is this, that the wrath of God and the love of God are two sides of the same coin. You try to split that coin and cease to be a legal tender. Without the wrath of God, the love of God is purposeless. Why? Because His love rescues us from the wrath of God. Are you with me? The love of God rescues us from the wrath of God. Without the love of God, the wrath of God is hopelessness. we just, might as well, let's eat and drink and be married, and for tomorrow we shall die. Now, here is the biggest misconception about the wrath of God— or God's judgment is not a capricious uncontrollable fury as some people think and that's why they avoid it the reason they deny that the judgment of God or the wrath of God is because they associated with man's sinfulness of irrational and uncontrollable rage and, and emotions is because they associated the word wrath with man's hate filled anger. And they said, God cannot do this. God is not like this. It's because they associate the word wrath with this animosity, or animosity-laden feelings towards somebody. So they throw the baby with the bathwater and deny the truth of the Word. Some people think, just like an angry person said, I'm going to get you for this. This is how God is. In fact, that's how Martin Luther, for a while, thought with God, I'm going to get you for this. No, 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 no. The wrath of God has nothing in common with this understanding of this type of emotions. This type of emotions, described in the Bible in the Greek word thermos, from which we get the word thermometer, up and down. But the word is used here, is not the word thermos, but the word orge, which means controlled, settled matter. has nothing with emotions. You say, well, what does that mean, controlled and settled? Listen to me very carefully because it's important. It is as controlled as settled as somebody jumping from the ten-floor building goes down to the ground. He's dead, right? It's settled. has nothing to do with me. has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with any of us, right? It's settled. It is like a person who puts his hand in the fire and keeps it there and comes out, oh, it's burnt. It's controlled. It's settled. It has nothing to do with me, you, or anybody else. It's just somebody standing in front of a freight train. He's <laughs> going to end up being mincemeat, right? It has nothing to do with anybody else. It has something to do with the person. These are settled facts. These are indisputable things. But there's something else I want to tell you about the wrath of God. It is declared upon evil. It is declared upon evil. See, you and I get angry when our pride is injured, right? And we get, get really miffed, and sometimes we even want to take revenge. That's the natural. But you see, there is no beef on God's, or the wrath of God. There's, there's no, no, no personal animosity, no personal anger toward a specific person. No. It is a settled matter as a person jumping from a high-rise building and hitting the floor is going to die. That's is it. See, the essence of sin in the singular, the root of sin—the fruit is all the sinful things we do—but the root of sin in the singular is to get rid of God. That's the root of sin, is to replace God, or is to ignore God, or is to modify what God said and pervert His truth. And that is why the judgment of God is going to be on those who perverted His truth. It was Voltaire who said sarcastically. (laughs) he said, God created man in his own image, and now man has returned the favor. And in case you haven't got this, we are creating a God in our own image, a God of which we approve. We want a God that he agrees with us. (laughs) So as society change and sin change, and we want a God that says, all right, that's okay. That's the kind of God we want. The essence of sin or evil is either living without the fear of God or twisting the truth about God. Those who invert the truth about God's Word. Those who tell half-truth about God's Word. Listen to me. Those who have made up their mind to live by their own rules, whims, and fancies are going to come under the wrath of God. Make no mistake about it. So what is the truth? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, you see, they rejected the knowledge of God. Their rejection of the knowledge of God is really the core of the problem. I know you heard people say, God is not fair. What is going to happen to those who never heard? I always say they are none of your business, except you share gospel with them. Leave them to God's care, Love, mercy, grace, and justice. But that's okay. It's always a red herring. I always say, what are you going to do? You heard the truth. Don't worry about the ones who haven't heard. But if you look with me at verses 19 and 20, Paul tells us what's going to happen. Paul is saying that there is natural revelation of God that He has placed as plain as the nose in your face, except in some cases... The nose is so horrific, he can't miss it. (laughs) He is saying that when they look at the majestic mountains, and when they look at the mighty oceans, when they look at the exquisite and intricate way our bodies are formed, uh, when they see the precision by which the galaxies and the stars are operating, and after seeing all of (laughs) that… and they do not believe in the Almighty God, then they will come under judgment. It's after seeing all of this and still think it comes from a blob, they're going to come under God's judgment. They just rejected God. I honestly believe that the theory of evolution is one of the most incredible hoaxes that have ever been perpetrated upon humankind. <laughs> How come? that the God who created these magnificent things with such precision and accuracy cannot breathe on a bunch of dust, and there is humanity. The New York Times—now, you agree with me, that's not an evangelical paper, right? (laughs) Back in 1979, July 11, 1979, reported, and I'm going to read it, the latest DNA testing is proving the evolution among humans is a hoax— that's not Christianity today. That's New York Times. And what Paul is saying is this. Denial of God is a concentrated act of the will to suppress the truth about God. No wonder the psalmist said in 19.1, he said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaim His handiwork. And that is why it says, Though they knew Him. How? By looking at the magnificent creation, and yet they chose to suppress the truth about God. Instead of letting the natural revelation lead them to God, they chose to close their eyes. But there's one more thing I wanted you to know about the wrath of God. There is a day in which there's going to be a global judgment, the entire globe will be judged by God. And that judgment, it's coming upon those who have rejected God, those who have modified the Word of God, those who have changed the truth about God. But there is something else that it says here in Romans that makes you want to sit in a corner and weep. He said, even in this life, before the day of judgment, God gives him up to the consequences of the rejection. God gives us more of what we want. Can you say that with me? God gives us more of what we want. You see it in the very early part of the Scripture. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God says, Mr. Pharaoh, I'm going to give you more of what you want. I'm going to harden your heart even more the opposite is true. When you hunger for righteousness, you say, how can I do this? When you sin, and we all stumble and fall, and then you immediately cry out to God and say, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. That is not something a man of God or a woman of God should have… I am so sorry. Forgive me. That's hungering for righteousness. God sees that. And he sees that hunger, and he says, I'll give you more of my righteousness. i give you more righteousness. You see, that's why he said, those who hunger for righteousness, they shall be fed. Question, why does God give you more of what you want? See, God is a respecter of his creation. He respects us. I read not long ago that the number of people in the United States alone who have sexually transmitted diseases— over 70 million. And this is a while back. God didn't give them that. God did not give them that. They gave it to themselves. Why? Because all moral enlightenment comes from God. All intellectual enlightenment comes from God. All reasoning power comes from God. So when the source of this moral, intellectual, and reasoning power, namely God, is rejected, they descend themselves into this moral, intellectual, and reasoning darkness. Beloved, we see this all around us. We see it all around us. Sometimes when I'm watching the news, and and you hear a news reporter showing some atrocity somewhere in the world, and you say, this is man's inhumanity to man. I want to shout, <laughs> no, silly! <laughs> this is man's humanity to man, because without the one true God, there can be no true humanity. Without the light of the gospel, man becomes a wild beast. Verse 22, although they claim to be wise, they are foolish. Now, the Greek word here for foolish is the word from which we get our English word, moron. (laughs) Sometimes I hear some of these morons saying, because the final judgment has not happened, therefore it's not coming. Beloved, just because God is so patient, just because God is so long-suffering, it does not mean that He does not settle accounts someday. He is settling some accounts now by giving them up to the consequences of their choices. But the final day, the judgment day, the day of wrath, which is yet to come, he will settle all accounts." old preacher used to say, payday someday. Listen, God will bless, and will bless, and will bless, and then bless some more, and then the day of reckoning comes. That's why the Bible said nobody is going to have an excuse on that day. No excuse. No one will be able to say, God did not give me enough time. God did not give me enough opportunities. God did not give me enough warnings. No, 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 no. Judgment is coming upon those who have inverted the truth. Secondly, judgment is coming upon those who perverted the gift of sexuality. See, when God's truth is suppressed, the mind becomes darkened. And when the mind is darkened, all of God's gifts, all of them, but especially the gift of sexuality, becomes perverted, misused, and abused. Listen to what Jesus said. If you're still having problem with wrath, and you think, well, it's just the Apostle Paul, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath—this is Jesus now—God's wrath remain on them. Paul is basically saying the same thing that Jesus said in Romans 1.26. For this reason, what reason? The perversion of God's gift of sexuality, God gave them up. For this reason, God gave them up to their detestable passions. The females exchange natural relations for unnatural, and the male— Likewise. Beloved, listen to me. This is a very sensitive subject, and I know it is especially sensitive for those who have family members who are caught in this lifestyle. Listen to me. First of all, if you have a family member, or like I do, neighbors whom I go and hug and I talk to and befriend, but if you have a family member, you must do the following. It doesn't matter who said what? You must love them. Love them. Love them. And then love them some more. Okay? It doesn't matter what a megachurch pastor in this city or any other city said. It doesn't matter what a head of a denomination said. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. It doesn't matter what government says. God said that any sex other than between a husband and wife in marriage is perversion of the gift of sexuality. We must always love those who are caught in that lifestyle. Always, always, always. You never stop praying and fasting on their behalf. Never, 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 never give up praying for them. Amen? In the past, I knew some people who came to the Lord after their contracting AIDS. We loved them in this church. We ministered to them. We conducted their funerals. I'll never forget a man who came to the Lord actually listening to me on radio. Then he came to the church, joined the church, baptized. Actually, he gave his testimony on a Thanksgiving service, Thanksgiving Day. And we used that testimony, we recorded it, and played it in his funeral. This man said to me, he said, don't you ever stop preaching the truth. Deep down, we all know it's a sin against God. Deep down, we suffer the guilt of conscience. Deep down, we wish we have victory over that sin. And then he said something else I'll never forget. He said, those who are most militant and fighting hard for their cause are those who've experienced the deepest conviction and carrying the greatest of guilt. I'll never forget that. He said, all of the acceptance in the world will not ease the burning conscience. A dear friend of mine told me just this week that a a very reputable survey showed that 95% of those who have gone through sex change in Sweden, where it's so easy, 95% of them are miserable and depressed. Beloved... All of the honest and brilliant psychiatrists that I read have said gender confusion is a terrible psychological disorder, but it is treatable. It is treatable. And you can go through a hundred sex change, but until you come to the loving arms of Jesus, you'll still be unhappy. You'll still be miserable. But Jesus loves you, and He wants you to come to Him today. God gave us the gift of sexuality to be practiced in marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. Listen to me. It's a terrible sentence. I might be emotional before you, but when I was preparing the message, I genuinely wept. It's a terrible sentence, and it's repeated three times. God gave them up. Anyone who rejoices in that doesn't know the heart of Jesus. Inversion of the truth, perversion of God's gift of sexuality. Thirdly, the deprivation of the mind. Verses 28 to 32. Here again, a third time, God gave them up. Beloved, listen to me. We are seeing this downward spiral before our own eyes, Every step that is taken down in rejecting of biblical truth, every step we take down in twisting biblical truth, in modifying biblical truth, in doing injustice to biblical truth, we see God hands of restraint. Let's go a little bit, a little bit, a little more, and a little more no more, until finally when the bottom of morality falls, this catalogue of 21 evils will dominate our lives. These 21 categories, all manners of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, Invent new ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I don't know about you. Every time I read this list, I want to have a shower. But now I'm talking about spiritual shower. But just think about this being a dominant thing. Terrible thing for our children and grandchildren. Think about it. Now, I wonder how many of us, even if we don't practice these, we approve of them by our silence. Always wonder why the message of the angels about the birth of Jesus, he was born in the darkest of night. That's because he and he alone can meet us at the midnight of our soul. Jesus wants to meet you at the midnight of your soul.